Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. What's up? And welcome to Social Jello with Angelo. I'm here with Mitch Powell, the Kajukembo historian. He's a black belt coming out of now Las. No, I don't know. Is it? Well, well, should I disclose your location, or you? Should we say an undisclosed location? Make it mysterious. I'm a I'm a Kajukembo Grandmaster in Las Vegas, and I'm here for anybody that needs to to come down and do a little training. He may or may not be near Area 51. So. <laughs> Either way, as you saw in the title, today's topic is, did Kajikembo always have forms? This is a discussion. I know some people love them or hate them. Some people use them. Some people don't. So I thought I'd have over the Kajikembo historian to talk about, did Kajikembo always have forms? So people usually watch the first few minutes of these things and then maybe watch later or never watch at all. Let's just start with the answer to that question. Did Kajikembo always have forms, Mitch? Uh... Yes and no. That's a way to oh. tie them in. If they were gonna, if they were gonna hit stop, okay, I don't have to listen to the rest of this. <laughs> That's a great way to tie them in. Good job, Mitch. <laughs> you know, and, and Angel, this is why when you see the the post about Kaji Kimball, you often hear, "Oh, Kaji Kimball was created in 1947, or was created in 1949." Right. So let's talk with, about what we know. There's some key points here. So Adriano Imperato. Uh, Joe Hole, Peter Chu, Frank Ordinez, George Cheng, they get together in 47. They start training together. And in 49, they decide to go their separate ways for whatever reason, somewhere in the military, uh, et cetera. So they have that period of time where they train together. And what we know from that period of time is that they created some techniques. We don't know how many. We don't know how many actually made their way into what we recognize today as Kajikembo or the Imperato method, the original method, et cetera, but they created techniques. So we know that part. We also know they didn't create any forms. And we also know that the group did not create the alphabet techniques. Those are big pieces of the Kajikimo curricula. So if your mindset is, well, Kajikimo was created in 1947 or through 49, then the answer is no, there's no forms, okay? So, and then I'm going to pause you real quick. Yeah. Um, I always assume that everyone listening knows what Kaja Kembo is, but um, just in case someone's just a passerby kind of listening to this, what are the ABC techniques when you talk about? Because people might understand forms, but they might not know what you're talking about with ABC techniques. So, the alphabets are the advanced punch counters. In the Kaja Kembo curriculum, you have punch counter techniques where a person's throwing for the most part, a boxer style punch at your head and you do techniques. And those are the, are the, what they call advanced tricks or the punch counters. Later on down the road, probably about 1958 or so, Adriano Imperato came up with advanced punch counters and called them alphabets. 26 of them, uh, each one has a letter just like the alphabet. And in essence, their defenses against, again, a person throwing a boxer-style punch at your face. So his focus routinely throughout the Kajikimo curriculum is how do I defeat this trained fighter, some guy that really could knock you out with that punch. So his techniques, for the most part, are geared towards that style of attack. 
Okay, so now we, we, we got that cleared out of the way. And then you were explaining about how after they the founders, they, they created this, at that point, it wasn't a system, right? They were cross-training. It was more of a approach to training at that point because the well, system wasn't founded at that point. We know, right? we know they created techniques. So if you think about this, this is a really good time to clarify this. Kaju Kimbo was not created in 1947, 48.9. It was founded, as in that was the starting point. Not created, because it took the addition of the forms, uh, which were added in the 50s, the addition of the name. Kaju Kimbo didn't get a name until 57. It didn't have alphabet techniques. So when you're looking at, a, at the full curriculum of the Imperato method or what they call the original method, you had to get all the way into the, the almost the later part of the 1950s to even get a name. So for me, once Kaji Kimmel was publicly named, and it's you can find the articles in the newspapers, that's when Kaji Kimmel was created, as far as I am concerned. Publicly named, has techniques, has forms, now has instructors. So the actual creation of Kaji Kimbo took at least a decade. It was not created in 47, wasn't created in the first couple of years. That group established their ability to combine karate, judo, jiu-jitsu, kempo, and boxing techniques and movements to create forms or create techniques. The forms came later, additional techniques came later, protocols came later, name came later. So you can see it took a long time to actually create Kaji Kimbo. So looking at our timeline here, did the forms come first or did the Kaji Kimbo name come first? Uh, the forms came before the name. When okay. it was a Kimbo system, and I'll, I'll go into that now then. So the Kaji Kimbo's first forms, um, as a historian for KSDI, I have access to documents uh, through the Imperato family, primarily through Grandmaster Glenn Fetticelli. He assists with the KSDI, him and, and, and Kimo, uh, Kimo Imperato. They're the, the main guys that now run this organization. They have access to CGO Imperato's documents. And including those documents are uh, his handwritten notes for the forms. So from what we know, forms were started right around 54 or 55. They were originally called Palama Settlement Exercises. So that was their first name. And at that point in time, they're at the Palama Settlement. So they're working out in the gym. That would have been the small gym before they tore it down and built the big gym. And when you read the notes, you can tell they're talking about what we recognize as Palama Set 1, 2, 3, 4, and I believe 5. 4 is a little different. The hand movements are the same. But nowadays, you do that form in a squat position. But back then, you were actually moving your feet around. It looks a lot like uh, set 2, but with the hand movements of 4. So let, me, so, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me pause you real quick right there. So yeah. they, weren't, they weren't doing that really low horse stance that they do nowadays? Uh, they were still doing low horse stances, but the form actually had some foot movements in it. So you would move around much like set 2 does. Oh, okay. But the hand movements, for the most part, everything matches. I mean, you can read these notes and go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's form one. Oh, that's form two. So that's going to put us into like the 54, 55 era. So that's when you're starting to get these forms. Well, what I find interesting about that is 
when we were going over, when I asked the same question to my instructor a long time ago, I was like, how many, how many of these forms do I have to learn? <laughs> he showed me the first, because I hate forms. I was like, hey, how many of these do I have to learn? And he's like, well, there's a lot of them. And what I'm going to say is that for our system, I, I want you to, to know the first five well for our system. And now I see why he said that. From what you just told me, now I understand why he said that. At the time, I didn't understand why, why he said anything. Well, but it makes, it makes sense. You know, it makes more sense now. Years ago, uh, there was already this, hey, I don't want to do forums thing. And C. Joe Brado said, look, guys, I get it. But please, at least do one, two, and three. At least he wanted that to be universal, that no matter where you went, whether you were in, in, in Spain or Los Angeles, that everybody could get to together and at least do one, two and three. So your instructor says five. Uh, some people like John Leone had 16 when he came over to L.A. in the you know, later part of the 50s. And according to Carlos Bunda, his main student who's still alive and carrying on the tradition there. Uh, I guess uh, he, uh, Leone reduced it to eight. He felt like eight was enough. And for each system, each instructor, it's going to be different. Some will want more. I had a uh, martial arts teacher, Calvin Shin. He was a forms collector. Besides all the Kajigimbo forms, he created forms of his own. And we did all of the Tongsudo forms. When I tested for black belt, I had 65 forms. I kid you not. And probably 200 or 300 techniques. I mean, uh, just a ton of curriculum from this one school. Yeah, I mean, so, my, my instructor, because of working with uh, with uh, Shizu Alan Abad, who had who knew all the original forms, all the original, you know, he called, you know, if we went from Palama to Pinon, right? The Palama sets, he called them Palama sets. Mm -hmm. um, on top of that, he also, because he loved forms, he also added Wushu forms. It was just like, it could have, that's why I asked him the question, how many of these do I have to learn? Because it, it, this looks like I could spend like the rest of my life just trying to figure this stuff out before I even learn how to do the rest of what I want to get done. So yeah, that was, it, was, uh, it was interesting to note, you know, how the different systems work that way. So they brought in, he brings in these techniques that would later be called forms. Do you know, and this is why I had you come on the show, because we talked about this off camera last time. I want to talk this on camera this time. Do you know why? Is there anything about why he decided to bring in forms? Well, you know, one of the things that I had read and heard and been told over the years was he was being promoted to professor. He was going to give a 10th degree and he needed to have forms. And that happened in the 60s. Right. So. You. You could easily buy into that. Go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem with that analogy is he's creating these forms in the 1950s, 54, 55, way before anybody ever thought about giving him a 10th degree. So, and the odd thing is his teacher, William Chow, uh, he didn't really do forms. Matose taught Nahanshi. And for the most part, that was his forms curriculum. So Imperato, and we'll, I actually made some notes in here. We'll talk about this as we get to the end of this. Um, where's the influence from? So we start off with Palama settlement exercises. And by the later part of the 50s, Tony Ramos and Leo Reyes are now on their own teaching. You know, they've left Hawaii now they're teaching. And they call their forms pinyons. So somewhere between 54, 55, and maybe 58 or 9, 
They're no longer called palmaset exercises. They're now pinion forms. Okay, so they got a name now. Now they actually have a, a, a technical name, and that name matches what other martial arts teachers are teaching, which are pinions. So according to John Bishop, who's a Kajikimbo professor and historian as well, he said that that's what Sijo Imperato thought the name was for forms. So the actual name he believed for forms was pinion. So that's why he called his forms pinions. Was that like a language thing or? Uh, it, it's hard to tell because we're just trying to, you know, think backwards. Like, why would Imperato think forms are called pinions? Well, probably because the majority of the forms taught, traditional forms, were pinions. So if you know the story of that, there's a guy named Anko Itotsu. He's an he's a, uh, Okinawan martial arts uh, master credited with creating the forms pinions, pinions one through five. He did that in the early 1900s. He took some old traditional forms, broke them down, made these five forms, and he taught them in school so elementary school kids could learn these forms. So he broke down these other forms, made these five pinion forms, and from there, they are now part of the curriculum for just about every traditional martial arts organization in the world. And because what trips me out about that is even the word pinyon would pronounce with the Spanish asterisk over the N mm -hmm. is is not Japanese, right? So like if it was going to be pronounced in Japanese, it would be pinong. Like that's how it. That's exactly because they do right. have the the consonant p. Well, in and Japanese, have, and then they have no, so it might it might be like pinong, maybe. The pinyon is a, is an Okinawan name, and in Japanese it's heon. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, when the Japanese masters got together, I think it was 36, they changed the name from uh, from Pion to Heian. So, oh, okay. And they also flipped number one and number two around. So if you're looking at a Japanese version of, say, Heian Shodan, it's actually Pion Nidan. Uh, Pion Nidan. First Nidan. Two. That's yeah. interesting because Nidang, Nidang actually just means second degree. Yes, the set, well, it's number two, second. Yeah. Nidang, number so two. Yeah. when you look at it at our particular forms, at least you know by the later part of the 50s, they're now called pinions. So they're established. There's enough forms to call them pinions. We don't know how many there were. It depends on who you ask. One group says, oh, we only had a couple. Another group says, oh, we, we had all, all of them, right? So... We go back to, um, you know, who created these forms in, in Kajikimbo? That's really the big question here when you look at it. Well, you know, who created them? According to Sijo Imperato, his brother Joe created number four and number seven, and he created the other 12. There's 14 forms total. So uh, that at least it gives you an explanation. And Joe Imperato passed away uh, May 30th of 1958. So his two forms were created prior to 58. Okay. So one thing that might confuse people is the numbering system. Look, Joe could have created the first two forms. Excuse me. Uh, yeah. Joe Imperato could have created the first two forms. We don't know. They were eventually numbered. Right. So they were given a specific order. It doesn't mean that they were created like that, that, you know, John Parado created the fourth form or the seventh form. They were just numbered. 
So just just to like clarify, we just know that Joe created two forms. In the, he created out, two out, of, out, of, out of all all, all the ones of, that are there. Out of fourteen, he created 14, two of them. He created two. Right. Gotcha, so gotcha. now let's uh, wrap up the name changes. There's one more name change, and this uh, you said uh, Yurcifu called him Palamas in 1993. Uh, Adriano Imperato says, "Hey, look, I'm going to change the name of my forms because I want people to know where they came from." These forms came from the Plumas settlement. So uh, for those folks that still want to believe God's was created in 1947, this is one more of those examples of how that's not accurate. Even Imperato said, look, forms were created at Plumas settlement. Let's give our forms that correct name. So that didn't happen until the 1950s, long after the group had disbanded. So... Um, Let's break the forms down. Let's take a few minutes and look at, there's 14 of them. Let's look at what we know about. All right, so form one, two, and three, all created by uh, C.J. Imperato. And what's unique here is the standards of movement. It's very Kempo-like. For anybody that watches the Kempo systems, you can see, you can look at these forms, you go, oh yeah, that's Kempo, absolutely. You get to form number four, and that's created by Joe Imperato. And it's a handset because you're in a squat and you're, you're punching and block punching at the same time, left side, right side. Again, very Kempo line. So if you look at the first forms, one, two, three, four, you go, oh, yeah, that's a Kempo system. Absolutely. Well, then you get to form five and six. Now, five and six is the same exact form, only on one, your hands are closed. And on the other, your hands are open, right? When you open your hands up, that form looks very Kung Fu. Like, I mean, you look like a Wushu form or a traditional uh, a Kung Fu form. Hands are flowing, you're poking, arms are swinging around, you know, you're slicing, poking, elbow pushing. Doesn't look like Kempo. It definitely doesn't look like one, two, three, or four. So when you do that, and you, you, you look at this form in, in your, your practice, the question that comes to my mind is, where did it come from? So we know Imperato trained with Professor Wong and some of the other Kung Fu guys. My question is, did it come from them? Sijo said he created, you know, one, two, three. I can see that. I can see you or me creating those forms. I don't see us creating form five or six. That's a very elaborate form. Got a really cool hand movements, good techniques uh, throughout this, the forms, good striking techniques or escapes if you want them. I don't see uh, that being a very basic form being created by block striking and kicking. So that's a big question. Where did that form come from? Then you get to number seven, and that's Joe Imperato's form. And again, you're right back to the very Kempo-like nature. You know, striking right, striking left, striking right, step forward, punch, circle in the arm, punch, punch, kick, back fist, back fist, back fist. Very simple, very uh, practical, uh, you know, easy, straightforward techniques and movements, etc. So you've got these first seven forms. And except for five and six, which are Kung Fu like nature, it's all Kempo so far. So we got number eight. Now, that's our kicking form. And really in that technique, there's no hand movements in it. 
except for your covering positions, it's a kicking form, side kick, front kick, back kick, then your jump or scissor kick and another side kick and then another jumping front kick and a side kick and a back kick and you turn around and you're set and you're done. So when you have a technique or a set of uh, techniques like that, you're really just looking at kicking. So it's practicing your kicking. So, so far now we've got eight forms. We've got one where you practice your kicks. The others are all tempo in nature and there's Kung Fu form in there. Then you get to number nine. And number nine is a really interesting uh, uh, form because it's the Okinawan form, uh, Pion Shodan. But it's not, because it's modified. So a big question would be, who taught Imperato that form, and why did he modify it? And it's we, not that hard of a form to learn, so why would you change it? And, and we don't know. That's We don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, so here's here's where and, you know, and then one more one more thing to clarify for anyone listening, any Kaja Kemba people listening, when <clears throat> when you're breaking down these numbers, we're talking about because you're from the Imperato method. So we're talking about the the original Imperato method. The, yes, not the one that split, the original Imperato method that uh if you listen, hey, here's a great time to plug in our, our first interview. Um, yeah, check here. You can see the first interview with Mitch. He explains about the history of how a certain group of Kajukembo practitioners did not want to incorporate more of the Kung Fu and they wanted to stick more to the original Imperato method and they're called the Imperato method. So check it out here, over there. There you go. There it is. So as you were saying, we still don't know. We don't know why. So we don't I, know have how. Some, I have some guesses. I mean, if you think about it, Peter Chu, one of the original co-founders, he went to Korea during the war. And I know in 1957, he was back in Hawaii. Well, these are the first two forms you're going to learn in any uh, traditional Okinawan or Korean Japanese system. You're going to learn pinyons. You're going to learn one and two. Did he come back and go, hey, you know, I got these. You want to check them out? I don't know. Was it him or Masoyama had martial arts schools in Hawaii at that same time? And was it from one of those students who would have definitely had this information? Or it could have been something as simple as the next door neighbors from Okinawa, and he knows this stuff. Yeah, they are in so, Hawaii. They are in Hawaii. So that's yeah. So, my, know. My, you know, it doesn't change the question of, okay, somebody taught him this. Where did it come from? And then why was it modified? Why wasn't it taught in his original context? I mean, I love our number nine form. It's a great form. It's just odd when I see the traditional, because I went to Japan and trained there and I went to, you know, China and trained there and kind of stuff. When you look at the traditional forms, you kind of look at what you're doing. You go, wow, it's so close, but it's different. Oh, yeah. And like, and I was, one of the things I was going to mention when you were talking about the how it where the Kung Fu elements are in our form right now, I have a, I forgot what style of Japanese karate, but I have a I have a Japanese karate sensei or instructor that's coming in and learning the Kajukembo system with me. He's very interested in the forms. And he'll sit there and look at my forms and then be like, okay, there is the karate. That's the Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. That's not karate. And he loves it. Like, and it's funny, like he's really open-minded because I've met closed-minded <laughs> Japanese karate guys and open-minded ones. He's one of the most open, but well, of course, if he came in, he wanted to learn Kajukembo. But, mm -hmm. um, but I've, I've seen the closed-minded guys will look at it and be like, okay okay wait stop that's not karate 
another interesting note, the Kempo guys, the quote unquote Shaolin, Shaolin Kempo, what they call it here in, in mm-hmm. Japan. Um, the Japanese Kempo guys will look at my forms and be like, that's interesting. That's interesting. Wait, stop. You just did a jump kick. That wasn't Kempo and that wasn't karate either. That's something else. Right. <laughs> They'll always stop me right there. Like if I was looking to be accepted into their circle, that's where they stop me. And they're like, no, no, no. It's similar. And they always they, they turn around to this to the student because they always have me come in and they want me to demonstrate what I do. And I'm like, well, we can do this two ways. I can spar some guys. You can see what I do that way, or I can or I can do a form. Which one do you want to do? They're like, well. You know, the, the, the more kickboxing guys, okay, let's spar some guys. The the more, the Kokushin guys, they had me spar. But uh, the, the Shaolin guys were like, yeah, let's, uh, let's, have, let's see your form. <laughs> say, right. And right after they're done, all the students are like, whoa. <laughs> and they come back yeah. and like, that's not <laughs> what we do here. <laughs> Our forms are definitely unique and eclectic. I mean, you know, look at this. We go to number 10, and it's a Kung Fu form. You've got the flowing hands like this. I mean, it's, it's just so different. And so I wondered, is that the end of six or five? Or is that the beginning? And it was cut in half and made another form down the road. Because the traditional, uh, you know, Chinese forms are usually 106 movements, somewhere along that, that, that number, right? And so if you put these two forms together, you're getting close. That was a thought I had on that. But now you've got, you've got, 10 forms and two of them are Kung Fu based forms, at least in my opinion. I mean, someone else might look at them and go, no, they're not. But that's what I see, right? You get to number 11, you're doing the Hanshi Shodan. And again, you're back to Enko Totsu is credited with being the guy that took one big form and broke it up into Shodan, Nidan, and Sandan. So the Hanshi was done by Matosi. So it, it, it doesn't surprise me that Imperato has that because Matosi had that. And, and you know, I think it was. Um, 52, Matose gave an Imperato instructor certificate. So, you know, he went to an advanced instructor's course there, maybe got the form from him, maybe got it from Chow or, or any one of the other guys on the island that knew it. But what's really trippy is number 12. So in the original method, number 12 is an Okinawan, Korean, or Japanese form. And I have studied and looked and looked. I can't find it. It's not a traditional form that you could find in a curriculum from all any of the Okinawan schools or Japanese schools or Korean schools, but it's definitely one of their forms. It's not something that we could create. It's, it's a very good form, very structurally sound. It matches the curriculum they use when you break down Okinawan forms. Don't know where that came from at all. Uh, you get to number 13. Now that's the Okinawan Pion uh, Nidon. So number two, the Okinawan system, Anko Totsu. Again, somebody taught that Temperado. And that one is almost original. There's a missing punch into it or, or a, like, a, like an escape hammer fist type movement that's missing in the, in the first sequence. Outside of that, that's the same form. So that takes us to the last one, which is called the clock dance. Now, the clock dance was created by Sijo, and that is uh, Kimo's basic movements, your basic strikes, your basic kicks, your basic stances. In a lot of schools back in the day, this form was taught first. It teaches the eight directions of attack and defense. It teaches the basic stances, front stance, worst stance, uh, and, and the basic strikes and kicks. 
So, you know, when you look at that, that is definitely the best form to learn if you're trying to learn Kachi Kempo. So as we're wrapping things up, just throw one more wrench into the whole, <laughs> into the whole system. Every Kachi Kempo school, as you mentioned, now does, does sometimes does or doesn't do forms. And then when they do do the forms, they have, they may or may not have all the numbers as, as you stated, depending on what system they came from. And on top of that, for anyone casually listening to this, we'll add forms. Like I said, my instructor added an entire Wushu system because of uh, Sijo. She's a, no, 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 not Sijo. I really got to be careful with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not Sijo. There can only be one Sijo. For anyone listening, yes. there can only be one Sijo. And I think uh, this is going to send me to a little side rant. There's not, there's, you know, we, amongst the Kajukembo Hana and family, we argue about stuff. But one thing that we can all agree on that we will get really pissed off about <laughs> is if some other dude shows up and calls himself Sijo. <laughs> that unified, we're unified in our anger if someone does that. So big red flag for you non-Kajukembo people listening. If you see some guy that's not Sijo Imperato calling them, Sijo Imperato passed away in... Mitch, what was the date? 2009. 2009. So after that, when he died, that title died with him. So anybody who has that title, run. <laughs> Do not trust that person and uh, and report them to the nearest qualified Kajikembo instructor. <laughs> so, no, <laughs> true word, no true words can be spoken. So either way, so Shizu, Shizu Alan Abad also had an entire system, uh, Kung Fu system that he studied and a wushu style that he put together and um and he had he had a rank in um in a wushu style from there in a kung fu system uh hungwar a hungwar system i believe it was and so in our system we have those forms and then we have all these kung fu forms and then we can go in different paths like we can get a certificate in the because you can we let the students decide do you really want to go in this wushu route or do you just want to stick to the original kaja kimball self-defense right. so again just to throw a wrench into this entire podcast <laughs> remember that every school from there adds their own flavor and will switch stuff up so if, if you're in, if you're already a conjugal practitioner you're like they're describing this number four thing and this sounds nothing like the number four that we do and yes and this already happened with one of my students who looked up after i and i had to i had to make it. this is why i made a youtube i didn't want to put my forms on the internet i didn't want to do it because i'm not a big fan of it you just learn it here and just remember like just can you do something? Because when I tried to look up Palama number one, so much stuff came up and all of it was different. <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right, that's fine, that's fine. I'll, I'll do something. I'll do something for you. But yeah, that, that's the final wrench I was going to throw well, in this entire podcast. There, there's another piece to the forms that uh, that a lot of folks don't investigate, and that's the applications. So you're doing these forms, you practice them over and over, and they look fantastic. Maybe you go to a tournament, you win a few trophies or whatever. But do you know, do you know what you're doing? You know what the applications are. And so I want to talk about that for a second, because as far as I'm concerned, the true applications, they die with the creator. So whoever creates a form takes that knowledge with them, unless they share it with someone else, you know, write it down, show it, share it. Right. So you've got that piece of what are the applications. And the other part is, the applications are based on what the instructor knows. So you and I talked about this last time. If you're a striker and you're trying to break down a form, 
you're looking at blocks, strikes, and kicks. If you're a grappler and you're breaking down a form, movements in a form, you're seeing traps, you're seeing locks, you're seeing throws. Now, if you've got some training in both, you can see both. And when you look at applications being passed down from teacher to, to student, you got to go back and find out what the teacher's original intent was. I talked about Anko Ototsu, and he's a great guy to look up as far as Okinawan history and, and martial arts forms. When he introduced those forms to the elementary school kids, he changed the applications. He made them block strikes and kicks. So when you turn to the left and you down block, you're blocking a kick. Maybe in the old school, you're being grabbed by the front and you pull the person to the side and you punch them in the head. But Itotsu wanted to make it so simple that the kids could all learn it. So everything became block, strike, and kick. Well, after that, those students grow up, grew up and started teaching. And those concepts became a common concept to be taught, especially the foreigners. If you were in the military and you went there to learn the martial arts, Trust me, you were taught everything's a block, strike, or a kick. You were not taught the traditional applications where all the locking and throws were, were, at, were part of these techniques inside this form. And so when you look at what is your form, what did your teacher want you to know? You've got to look at what did your teacher know and what was her intent with sharing this information to you? Did they want to teach you? Like, for instance, I can do, number one, I can do an outward block, and that can block a punch. If I'm a striker, plumb set one first movement, I'm blocking a punch. But if I'm a grappler, they've grabbed my wrist, and I've now twisted their arm up in the air. I can shove the arm back in their face, or I can turn it into an arm lock. Depending on what I know, same move, but different applications. So you got to look at that, and you got to look at, you know, have you broken these forms down? I've broken these forms down a million times. And I'm always looking for what techniques from the Kaji Kimbo system are in the forms. And all you can find is the end of grab counter number 11. That's in the first form, so plama set one. There's the strike to the ear, the hammer fist to the groin, the back fist to the face. There are no complete techniques in any of these forms. So whatever Imperato was trying to share with these forms, he was not trying to say, I want you to practice grab art three, knife two, club six. He didn't, he didn't put them together that way. He put them together as individual standalone forms that you can find Kajikimbo-like movements in them, but not techniques per se. And then another thing that I think is really, you know, as we're wrapping things up, I think one of the things that I can walk away with this is this idea that he called them Palama exercises. Because I've always said to my, to my group, um, whether you like forms or you hate them, um, I do this as a warm-up. I do this as part of my warm-up. I stretch, line basics, and forms as my warm-up. If you want to really, if you want those people that love forms, because we had guys that love forms, and they would, we would spend the entire hour of the remainder of class really breaking down the form, looking for a technique to work with, 
Um, for example, in, in our number one, we have this like chop down, grab the shirt, and we can find that technique that you that deep dive into a, a defense technique or how to apply it. You could do that. Um, but I think it's interesting to note that you said you called them Palama exercises because there was, this, as you know, in Kajukamo, a really huge fighting element and a lot of sparring, a lot of banging, as they, as I like say, a lot of brawling and scrapping, as I like to say. And um, because of that, in their, in their time that they would train, they would have that section available. So it makes sense that they would call them Palama exercises as part of the warm-up. And then one thing that I can say, for as much as I say I hate forms, I didn't want to learn them. When I tore my LCL after my catch wrestling match out in Japan, all I could do was forms. I couldn't shadow box, I couldn't kick, I could barely stand. And when I'm sitting there miserable, doing the stupid doctor exercises with the, with the, with the way I, I hate that damn machine where they, where they put like the, the band and like, there's, right. a, there's this whole band movement. I hate the band movement. I want to lift weights. I don't want a stupid band. <laughs> so, but I'm sitting there with the damn band. Cause that's what, that's what the doctor said I had to do stretching out the leg. And I'm like, God, this is, this is the extent of my workout. This sucks. Like, and it's a 50 and the doctor's like, don't do more than 15 minutes. Cause you need to recover. So I'm like, I can't walk. I can't, <laughs> I, I can't use my so like I'm sitting there with a knee I take off the knee brace for these exercises and I'm like what can I do I still I 15 minutes are up and I, I I can do battle ropes I can sit in a chair and do battle ropes which is exhausting and boring as hell let's uh let's do a form let's see Why not? Let's do a form and um and the, I sometimes I couldn't and I found my new challenge I put the knee brace on and sometimes I'm sitting there wobbling on my torn LCL and I can't I can barely stand in the cat stance. I can barely stand in the horse stance. But I found for me that it was, uh, it kept me from going insane. I still felt connected to my martial arts training. I couldn't do any martial arts training, like I said before. I could barely stand. But right. just the challenge of being able to hold a basic stance that we could argue is, has nothing to do with fighting. We could argue that. But at that point in time, it was my only connection to fighting. And that gave me an appreciation for forms i'm not saying that you have to appreciate forms you can continue to hate them or not do them that's fine but for me personally that's why at that point in my life i gained an appreciation for it for myself yeah i you know i've been i've been doing them almost 50 years so you know i still i just got through doing a couple of forms um they just become part of what i do uh, i've always appreciated it. i used to compete a lot i remember you know, uh, had a lot of success out there uh, in tournaments doing forms. Um, for me, I taught them to all my students, all my black belts had to learn them. Uh, I always felt like it was part of the system, that it's a piece of what, you know, Imperato and the creators wanted you to learn. So I just shared them with anybody that wanted to learn them. And anything else I want to mention that right now, like Mitch, for anybody listening, you don't see Mitch. Mitch is just showing like his neck from the neck up. Like, there you go. But Mitch is fucking yoked, all right? So like, I saw that's 62. He's fucking yoked. I saw, 62 I was, years old. Last time we interviewed him, I only saw his neck. And then when I came across your, your, a picture of you trading with uh trading over at the gym with, with Bobby's guys, I was like, he's fucking yoked, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but from the neck up, I didn't know. And I was like, yeah. So yes, he, this is someone who's saying they like forms, but they're also obviously uh, they like to exercise too. So anyone listening. You know, right. you can check out my YouTube. Mitch is yoked. He's not, so some, he's not some guy who just likes to do forms and like some frail looking dudes. So like, just yeah, let, let's, let's throw this, 
let's throw this out here. So if someone has an answer, maybe they're going to tell us this, right? So my big question is who taught Imperato, Pinyon Shodan, Pinyon Nidon, and whatever our number 12 is? That would be my big question. There's got to be somebody out there that goes, you know, especially somebody in Hawaii goes, yeah, I know. It's so-and-so. I'd love to hear that. And uh, uh, the Kung Fu forms, you know, there's our number five and six and number 10. Those are Kung Fu forms to me. Was it Professor Wong? Was it one of the other guys? Where did those come from? And then, you know, when you learn these forms, then you go into the modification. So why did Imperato modify these forms? Did he want this to be a certain way to make it Kaju Kembo? So there's, you know, that's another question. Where did those come from? Um, I do want to share this with people who are learning forms or have learned forms. Uh, this, I don't know if you can see it. This is an excellent book. This guy's teacher was Miyagi. Not the karate kid Miyagi, but the real Miyagi. And he said uh, before Miyagi passed away, that Miyagi had given him information on the forms, on the Okinawan forms. And in this, uh, he said, look, these forms originally were two-man drills, tandem drills. And they put them together and created forms. But uh, it got chaotic because it was just random techniques all thrown together. There was no rhyme of reason of where they're going. So they stepped forward and they said, hey, wait a minute, let's do this. Let's create a standard of movement in these forms. So if you step to the right, well, you'll step to the left next. If you go forward three steps, you're going to go backwards three steps. So they created this that commonality of movement when you're doing these forms. And they said, well, here's what we're going to do also. If you move backwards, you're defending yourself. And if you move forward, you're on offense, you're attacking. So the main thing uh, from that book are those ideas, as well as there's only one attacker. There's not people all over the room. There's one person. And for the most part, they're always in front of you. And that's really unique when you start doing these movements and forms and you're turning left, turning right, turning around and realizing that once you're set, the person's in front of you. Now, you might have pulled them that way or locked them and twisted them that way, but eventually your attacker is right in front of you. So when you're breaking down your forms, think about that. Well, it's not five people. It's one person. We're just doing tandems, me and one other person. They're in front of me. Any direction that I move, any of the eight directions of attack and defense, that person's in front of me. That'll help you break down. And now you got to keep in mind that's traditional forms. Our Kajikimo forms don't follow that traditional format. So I don't know what Imperato was thinking when he created his forms. I don't know what his applications were. Using traditional applications, I could probably figure out the majority of it. But what I look for from those forms are pieces of techniques. That gives me a general idea, like alphabets. You know, a third of the alphabets start off with a right outward block against a punch. You know, palm set one starts that way. That to me says, well, it's probably blocking a punch. The, the third movement on uh, you know, palm set one is a short inward. Well, another third of the alphabets, you block that punch coming at your face with that short inward. So again, you're blocking a punch. And then you do a cross block. Well, Club one and club two are cross blocks. You're blocking the club over your head. So those are good applications and so forth. You just go through the form and you say, okay, what does this movement do in any of the techniques? And that'll help you try to figure out how to break down your forms. 
And one thing I'm going to mention about the cross block, and a lot of people that hate the cross block, that it's a move that is contested, is this is useless, some people have said. One thing I thought was interesting, you come in here, you come in here, right? Here, 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 elbows back, right? Elbows back, right? When I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and they showed me the, the cross-collar choke, and I saw the application of the cross-collar choke, I was looking at that thinking, oh, shit. That's the that's the X-block. That's the X-block being applied. I mean, this goes back to the beginning of our conversation that if you look at something, depending on where you came from, you'll see different stuff in it, right? If we looked at a striking, uh, from a striker's perspective, the X-block is to block a strike coming at you, right? But from the grappler's perspective, that same X-block could be the cross-collar choke. Exactly what I'm talking about. If you're a striker, and that's, that's, from that's specifically from judo. We can say nowadays modern applications of, of BJJ with no gi, but this is specifically from judo. And as we also know, that was the grappling art that was incorporated in the Kaju Kempo was the original judo, right? The Coming back from the from the Kodokan that we talked about earlier. Well, you know, I'll just share this part with anybody that's really into the forms, like, you know, this is their thing. You know, I, I spent half my life working with the Oakland Police Department. I'm a retired sergeant there. And uh, when you're making an application, I don't care if it's a technique or an application in your forms, you're trying to figure it out. You got to make sure it works in the street. You know, go full speed, get all padded up, make sure that, you know, you can throw full force strikes, uh, that the tech day, the takedown works. Make sure that whatever you're trying to teach or trying to learn works in the street you know get as close to a real environment as you can and try it out we did that all the time at my school and majority i did one whole belt testing probably drove the instructors nuts but the attacker was in a padded <laughs> red man suit the entire time and i tested like 10 15 students and people were getting in and out of this red man suit just so that i could let the student being tested Please tell, me that, force. please tell me that was during the summer. <laughs> it was during the summer. It was in Vallejo, California. Actually, American Canyon. Nice. So, you know, you do what you can to try and, and, you know, be as authentic as possible with all your techniques and stuff in the street. You, you know, it, it's not a dance. And I hear people, oh, they're dancers. They are not dancers. These are fighting techniques, hopefully street-based fighting techniques that you're going to practice that might save your life or someone else. So, you know, make sure whatever you're doing that it works on the street. That's all I can suggest, you know, cause you can come up with a million things. I remember reading old stuff where, you know, you're blocking a spear coming off a guy who's on horseback, you know, just, just really ludicrous stuff. But when you're young and you're trying to learn it, you just believe whatever you hear. You never know when a guy's going to sneak up with you with a, on a horseback with a spear. Yeah, you just don't know nowadays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so, everyone, and Mitch, thank you so much for coming out. Is there anything you want to close up with? Anything you want to add? I, I do. So um, if you're looking for Kaji Kimbo, you want to find uh, a site where you can see the techniques, see the, 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 the plumber sets on video. I have a website called UKFcertified.com. If you log on to that, you can get a password, and from there, you can go into the instructor portal, and you can watch. Uh, actually, I'm demonstrating all the techniques. 104 techniques, the whole Imperato method is on there, and all 14 forms are on there. You can see what they look like. 
the forms were all recent. I shot them when I was 60 years old. I wanted people to see what it looks like when you're a 60 year old grandmaster instead of some, you know, videos from my thirties, right? I wanted people to see what it looks like. Some things look pretty good and other things will look like an old man jumping in the air. But that's just the reality of life, right? You get older and that's what happens. Your speed, your power, everything kind of reduces a little bit. But I wanted people to see an actual Kajukemo Grandmaster doing all of its techniques and doing all the forms. So that's available there. Also, uh, you have to be a Kajukemo Black Belt and we vet you to get into my website. We do not want you know, anybody out there that just goes, oh yeah, I'm going to take this stuff and start, you know, videotaping and send it anywhere. I'm doing this for my Kajikimo family. You could be in a, in a Reyes system or the Gaylord system, etc., and still go over and look at that, even if you're just looking to see what's different. But it gives them an opportunity to see what it looked like, you know, back in the day. And then if you're trying to learn Kajikimo using some kind of video system, well, uh, I'd suggest uh, Google uh, Grandmaster, Senior Grandmaster, Gary Forback. He has access to a whole video library. He made his videos with C. Joe Imperato, uh, not only with his blessing, but with him. They all got together and made these videos. Again, there's all the techniques and all the forms. And that's another way to get this. There are Kajikimo schools on my website. There's schools where you can get the Imperato method. And also, I know Professor John Bishop teaches, I believe, in Diamond Bar, California, original method school. There's not a lot of the original method school out there. Uh, a lot of folks have changed their curriculums. So that's why, you know, we put on video. We wanted to keep it alive, help preserve it, promote it. Uh, so that's that's kind of that. But, uh, you know, just to wrap it all up, is we've got 14 forms and uh they're different. I mean, we don't have traditional forms. Ours are unique. They are Kajikembo-like in nature, and they are part of our curriculum. I'd love to see people at least learn, as Sejo said, at least learn the first three if you don't already have more than that. All right. Well, Mitch, again, thank you for breaking that down. And um, again, in the comments, if, if you want to have, if you have any questions or if you have an answer to some of the questions that Mitch was asking earlier, jump in there and Put it in there we'll discuss it wherever you find this whether it's facebook or youtube or now even reddit through youtube reddit people are having discussions there too thank you so much again mitch and thank Good you angel. to all of you for checking out social jello with angelo i am awful at marketing if you've stuck around this long help me out hit subscribe turn on those notifications and i'll catch you all next time peace all right man take care